Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to once again tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we take you to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that can change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. I come to you today from my laptop set up in my sumptuous living room here in beautiful Las Vegas, known to some on some days as the hottest city in America. I am joined by my podcast production coordinator, Princess Alessandra Francesca, who is our listeners who tune in every week know, is a domestic short hair black cat who commands my every move. Now, today, we're going to be covering something that is a perennial topic and when folks come to me with a exciting angle on it, I love to feature this because this is a big issue with the entrepreneurial world. It has to do with the money mindset and money management. So we find ourselves in situations, I like to tell people all the time that this has happened to me many times as an entrepreneur. One minute, I will be looking at our corporate bank accounts, and I'll see that there's an almost $20,000 positive balance. Then I'll blank, and I'll say, how the hell do we get overdrawn? We didn't buy anything. <laughs> you chuckle because you know what I'm talking about. So sharing with us today is Danielle Hayden, and I'm going to tell you briefly about her. She's the co-founder and CEO of Kickstart Accounting Incorporated, which is a bookkeeping and accounting firm that is on a mission to coach six-figure and beyond female entrepreneurs so they better understand their numbers through bookkeeping, financial analysis, and support so they can grow profitable, sustainable, and enjoyable businesses. She's been a guest on multiple top-rated shows, including a well-designed business, Interior Design Business Podcast, The How Business and Female Empowered, Winning in Business and Life, and she's also the host of her own show, the Entrepreneur Money Stories Podcast. So when Danielle isn't in her money mindset work, you can find her hiking or spending time with her family. My idea of a hike is to stand up. So Danielle Hayden, come on in. The weather's fine. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm calling in from cold Cleveland, Ohio. So I think we have exact opposite weather. Well, not necessarily. As of the date of our recording, we're having a rainstorm. Okay. And uh, and I'm actually hoping that this holds up well. So hopefully we can get a straight through recording. And if there are any interruptions that we'll be able to edit in such a way where our listeners, when they go back at the end of this episode and subscribe to the show for more and to listen to this one again, say, what interruptions? That sounded so good. 
<laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So I read off your official bio. This is so impressive. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be in your presence, and this is my show. Uh, but what we like to do is, uh, before we get into some of the very interesting things that you shared with me in the green room that you'd like us to cover, uh, let's pull back the curtain and have you tell us in your own words a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah. So I was working as a corporate CFO, chief financial officer. And what I realized sitting in the boardroom was that my job was to make the rich richer, right? I helped the CEO, board of directors, the management team. I helped them use their numbers to make business decisions and to ultimately grow the business. But what I realized was that there was entrepreneurs who were passionate and creative who needed access to this resource. So now at Kickstart Accounting Inc., we use bookkeeping as the vehicle to help business owners make better business decisions so they can grow their business, so that you as an entrepreneur can make an impact in your family and your economy and in your community. So um, my my team and I, we get so jazzed up and excited about what we get to do because we are making a direct impact in people's communities by helping entrepreneurs know their numbers. Right, 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 right. So um, I guess the first thing I'm curious about is, you know, this whole thing about how we spend our money. I made allusion to this phenomenon I've seen so many times in my own business is I'll repeat it again. One minute, my corporate bank account shows a positive balance of $20,000. I blink and I ask, how the hell did it get overdrawn? We didn't buy anything. So what that leads me to is one of the points you wanted to share with us are the idea of the emotional and fear-based spenders. What are these two types of groups and what do you have for them to help them thrive? So what we have found, it's really interesting over the last nine years uh, with the, over the last nine years of running this business, what I found in working with, with our clients is that people really fall into one of four money mindset categories. So we have our free spenders. Our free spenders love to spend money without ever looking at their financial statements, their bank account balance. They love to spend money uh, almost emotionally, impulsively spending, right? You sign up for the course and never actually do the work. You sign up for the course before really looking at the bank balance. Then we have our keepers. Our keepers are the exact opposite. They want they they call it reinvesting in their business. Like, no, I don't pay myself. I just I just reinvest all the money back into my business. I'm like, well, what are you reinvesting in? Well, I don't know. I'm just keeping the money in my business. Our keepers love to have savings in their in their in their bank account. They never really feel like they have enough saved. So those are our two extremes. But we also have our perfectionist. Our perfectionist wants to know where every single dollar is being spent. It right. is exhausting for them, right? Like they are looking at every dollar coming in, every dollar going out. And then we have our 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 balance seeker. Our balance seeker knows they can't do everything themselves. They know that they need to have healthy spending in order to reach their business goals, but they need to have enough in their bank account for a rainy day fund, right? They're really trying to balance 
can't do everything. I need to hire the experts. I need to spend money to grow, but I, I need to find that, that balance. And what we found is that the best exercise that we can do in order to um, improve our money personality type is to first know our numbers, right? Like know what your personality type is. And if you want to, uh, we have a quiz, it's kickstartaccounting.com slash quiz. You can go take your quiz and find out your money personality type. But then from there, every time you look at your income statement, every time you look at your financial statements, you can start to think about, am I spending from my heart or am I spending it? what aligns with my business? Right. So how do we determine that? And the reason I ask is, as entrepreneurs, we are bombarded with messaging. One of the most common phrases we hear is, well, if you don't invest in our service, if you don't invest in our in our software, you're not really in business, which I think is just a very crazy. sad form of manipulation. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, I think there's a healthy spending um, balance that we can find. One exercise that I like to do um, every year on my podcast, Business by the Books, we launch a podcast episode that says, forget goals and set an intention instead. And I bring this up because I think it's really important for us to um, remember, it's not about the revenue we hit, right? Maybe you want to hit six figures. Maybe you want to hit a half a million. Maybe you want to hit a million this year, but it's less about the money and more about what we want our business to do for us. What season of your business are you in? So are you in growth mode? meaning you're looking for hockey stick growth this year and beyond. And if you're in hockey stick growth, then we need to find a healthy spending in order to get us towards that growth, such as advertising and marketing. We want to be spending between 8 and 10% of our revenues back into marketing our services so that we can grow. You might be in a year where you say, oh, I really actually need to take a step back and um, takes care of something personally. So I actually have to hire a team and I'm going to take a less profit this year. So it's yeah. really setting that intention. Can I tell you a, a story about a client I had? And I think this will help you uh, kind of conceptualize it. Would that be okay? No, I hate stories. Go ahead. <laughs> Perfect. So my client, Jenna, it's really fun. We watched her grow through the years. She she came to us and she said, Danielle, teach me how to run my business at a loss. And I was like, all right, kind of an odd request, but I'll take it. I'll help you. And we did what we call a catch-up. So we brought all her transactions in for the year into QuickBooks and we helped her read her financial statements and get a and get an idea of where she was at for her taxes. It was around November, it was fall when she came to us. And I said, Jenna, I got good news and bad news. The good news is that I don't have to teach you how to run your business at a loss. You're profitable. The bad news is that you waited till November to come to me and now you're going to be paying taxes on this profit. But here's the cool thing that happened. We watched Jenna's entire mindset change. She went from thinking of herself as a freelancer to thinking That's of herself a as a money. business owner, right? Yeah. Right? Like that whole shift. Well, here's the thing. So when she changed her mindset, she's like, all right, I'm going to grow this business. I'm going to grow. So she invested in advertising and marketing. She went to conferences, hired a business coach, uh, started to build her team. I mean, this woman invested in scaling her, her business. So cool. We watched her hit every goal along that, that year. And she was spending money because she wanted to 
she wanted to hit that hockey stick growth. The next year she said, I need to look at buying a house. I want to start to put down roots in the community. And I know that I'm going to have to care for my aging mother in the next few years. And so we shifted her priorities and we shifted the spending and she was able to actually take home some of her profits. We moved her to an S-corp. She went on payroll. We took some bonuses and draws and she saved throughout that whole year and bought a house. It was so cool. We got to celebrate that for her. She's actually a, a client here in Cleveland. Well, unfortunately, her mom did end up getting sick. And so we had to reset her intention again. And this time it was that she needed to really pay her team to run her business. So she wasn't going to be taking home much of a profit. She had to reduce her salary. She wasn't she wasn't spending much in advertising and marketing. She really needed her team to sustain her business while she cared for her mom. After her mom passed, her season changed. I tell you all of that, right? Because your spending is going to change. And looking at your numbers and having a team to provide that accurate financial picture for you is going to allow you to align to those goals. Right. Well, this makes me think for some reason, over 20 years ago, when I was in the training and development space, this is it was right when something called e-learning became a really hot thing. Now, that is, uh, that's like playing with Legos compared to what we have today. But the idea of being able to log into a web portal and watch a video, ooh, that was hot stuff. And being able to fill out an assessment questionnaire at the end of each module to, the, to uh, show what you learned, wow, space age. And it was all the rage. So every single presentation you attended at every conference about e-learning, the speaker would put in a slide, you'd see the same damn comic in every single person's presentation, and it illustrated one of the challenges that we arrive at when it comes to figuring out how to spend money. So you see the person in charge of training development, they're in some C-level person's office, and uh, they're making their presentation about why the company should get e-learning. Then you have this, uh, this C-suite person on the other side of the desk saying, well, I don't know what an e-learning is, but if our competition has that, order two of them. Yeah. And I th and I think that kind of mindset sometimes drives us. Like, well, if my competitor is doing it, I better do it. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And what social media is doing for us, right, is expediting that they're doing it. Well, I need it. Well, my competitor has this software. I need that software. Well, they're marketing this. I need to market that. And instead, we're trying to do what everybody else is doing rather than thinking about what's working, what's not working. And that's what I love about numbers so much because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think some people think of financial statements like their report card, right? Like, oh, my financial statements are going to tell me if I passed or failed. But it doesn't work like that in entrepreneurship, right? Your financial statements are an opportunity to tell you what worked and what didn't work. What should you do more of? What should you do less of? And you really don't have to actually think about any of your competitors doing that exercise. Right. And I think another challenge is sometimes we want to support our friends in business. So then what if you what happens when four of your colleagues in business who you view as people who support you and who you want to support all come out with something and it's substantially the same thing and you want to support them all by buying it? 
Well, we can find other ways to support our um, colleagues that do not include purchasing it, right? We can share it on social media. We can spotlight them. We can have them on our podcast. We can collaborate with them in other ways, but we all, and you can, you know, I tell my clients, use us as a bad guy. I have a client that says, oh, I'm sorry. My accountant um, told me I've already maxed out my spending in this category. I'm actually not allowed to spend in this category. <laughs> yeah. So find an accountant who will allow you to use them as your, as the, the scapegoat. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I, and, and I'm, you know, familiar with, uh, you know, they, they teach these techniques um, where if somebody tells you that they're um, that either their credit card is maxed out or they just don't have any more discretionary cash they want to, but they can't. And, uh, and the ones I really, really just can't stand are the ones that attempt to manipulate people. Like you say, you just don't have the bandwidth on your credit card to take on one more thing. And that's legitimately the case, either because the card is maxed out at the time or you just want to keep some reserve there. Or you just don't want to. And uh, especially when your car is legitimately maxed out, they want you to go through some mental exercise where you convince yourself you have money you don't have. Yeah. Not good strategies, right? We need to align uh, our spending with our core values. Uh, something that as entrepreneurs, I think we're asked to... We're asked to do a lot. We're asked to spend a lot. We're asked to take a lot of risk. And I think knowing who you are and who your business is at your core really allows you to spend that aligns with your core values. Like we're very strategic at Kickstarter County about where we're spending money each year and what very specifically aligns with our goals. So it makes it very easy you know, to say this doesn't align with my core values or this doesn't align with my goals it makes decision making so much easier when you know that. Right. And and I and I couldn't I couldn't agree more. So, you know, you you know, and you've mentioned to me that uh, you have a you, know, you have a philosophy with your clients that uh, I believe it's called healthy business spending. We do. We have um, healthy spending that we uh, implement with all of our clients because you know what I found is a lot of our clients would get on the phone with us and say, one of two things. All right, Danielle, tell me where I should cut back. And I'm like, cut back? You need to spend money. <laughs> yeah. Know? But we're programmed, I think especially as women, but we're programmed um, to think that we always need to, that building a budget, running a business is all about cutting back. And it's not, mm -hmm. right? We don't have to cut back to create profit in our in our business. We have to actually spend money intentionally so that we're hitting our goals. So, so I, I find that very difficult when clients come and ask me that question because it's really retraining our mindset that we actually have to spend money in a way that aligns with where we want to see our business. So just like I was mentioning my client, Jenna earlier, you know, if you're like Jenna, where you want to have growth in your business, we need to be spending money on marketing consultants, marketing tools, software, um, business promotions, gifts, um, partnerships, right? Because when I, those clients ask me, where should I cut back? My first question is, did you hit your goal for this year? And if the answer is no, 
then we need to look at the spending. I can tell you exactly why you haven't hit your goal when I look at the rest of your income statement. And the same thing with your energy, right? So if you told me, gosh, I'm so tired. I haven't, you know, I'm working the weekends. I've hardly had dinner with my family recently. Mm -hmm. I can't take a vacation. I'm going crazy. Well, I can look at your income statement and tell you exactly why. We have to spend money on hiring our team with intentionality because in order to have a long-term sustainable business, we have to be able to have a team to help us run that business. And so having healthy spending allows us to surround ourselves with a team that allows us as entrepreneurs, as business owners, to have work-life balance. Yeah. There's a question that comes up every so often, and particularly in Facebook groups about entrepreneurship. I'm going to ask you the question. I want you to give me the answer. If you if you uh, logged in one morning and found out that you had gotten $50,000 to spend on marketing your business, how would you spend it? Oh, good question. I would do all partnerships. Um, I believe that um, one of my favorite pieces of entrepreneurship is connection and partnerships and alignment. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm on this show with you today, Adam, you know? Yeah. I, I think that there's so much that can be conquered in this world mm. um, it, by collaborating in this human experience. So for me, it's less about running Facebook ads or big marketing, uh, it, you know, in magazines or TV ads. For me, it's boots on the ground connection. Like I want to have this conversation with you and be a resource with you at, for, for you and your community. And so to me, it's, you know, that money would be spent on collaborating with others and finding partnerships where we can celebrate each other's businesses. Okay. So when I answer the question, what I tell, what I tell people is the first thing is I would do is I would uh, retire all the debts of the business. Oh, okay. Okay. Let me now just hear me out. And I want you to give me your thoughts on it. Cause I get a lot of different reactions on it. The first thing I would do is retire the debts of the business. That's number one. The second thing that I would do is I would find everything that I pay for monthly that I know I'm going to have for at least a year and take their annual option. Cause you'll usually save on average about two months right there. The third thing I would do is I would hire somebody to consult with the business, possibly somebody like you, actually, who can look at things like income statements and balance sheets, what have you, in search of money leaks. So if I were to pay you, say, $5,000, I bet you'd find 10000 in leaks. So oh. between those three things, what I would have done is without making any changes to the clients, to the size of the revenues, anything like that, is I would have freed up a considerable amount of cash flow that otherwise was going to either debt service, things that I was paying more for than I needed to, or leaks where the money was just falling out and dripping on the ground, and be able to have that for any type of marketing or growth investments that I wanted to do. Knowing also that if it didn't work out the first time, there would be more. Whereas if I were to take that $50,000 and just drop it all on, on uh, investments in marketing and growth, let's say that the strategies I invest in don't work. Well, 
if they don't work, not only am I out to am I, am I out to fifty thousand dollars, I still have all the other problems. Whereas if I solve the other problems, there's still going to be more money. I can keep trying and trying and trying again. I love the idea of trying and trying again. I think that again, that's the the beauty of knowing your numbers is that when you spend that money, you have a tracking mechanism to figure out what worked and what didn't work and to make changes. Um, debt, I have um, a little bit of a different opinion on on the debt piece. I think it, it depends on the interest rate and yeah. your relationship around around the debt. Is it revolving debt? Is it a static debt? What what did you do with the with the debt? Because I think there's a real fear around around business debt. And if you are somebody who um you're a free spender. So remember at the beginning of the podcast where we were talking about the the spending types, if you're a free spender and you're when you have a chunk of money that comes into the business, if you pay down the debt, you're probably going to go back into debt because you haven't solved the problem, right? Of intentionality. Yeah, yeah, that that that's an interesting view. So now we also have to look at the behavioral aspect of it. You because, know, because because the person in that situation might say, "Oh, I cleared the debt. Oh, the credit cards are paid off. I got money to spend now." Yeah, cha-ching. <laughs> yeah, and and that can lead to another that can lead to another phenomenon, which I also acknowledge has been a pattern for me previously. Is that uh, you know you say, "Okay, well, um, I've uh, bought myself some time. I can let off the gas a little." Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Exactly. That the pressure isn't there. Uh-huh. So what happens? And I said, I said, I actually watched this happen to a friend of mine who had a very, very prosperous consulting business. And when he first launched the business, he signed several three-year contracts that gave him all the business he could possibly want. In fact, he got so much business that he was able to pay me enough to support him that I was able to turn my side hustle into a full a full-time entrepreneurial gig enough to uh, enough that I could sustain myself just off his account and have time to actually go get other clients and build a true business so that was my ox cart and a horse moment now I remember when I met with him a week after I made the jump I can still see myself sitting in his home office and he's got this whiteboard and he has the names of all the clients written down and the dates that their three-year contracts expired. And they were all due to expire within that year. And he was trying to tell me that I got really fat and happy off these contracts. And now I'm concerned about, will I be able to renew them? Have I done enough to attract potential new clients? But yet, he still stayed in this fat and happy space until... A number of those contracts expired and didn't renew, and then he was in trouble. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, that's why I think that the mindset around debt and 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 the relationship around looking at the numbers every single month. You know, some people say to me, Danielle, that's exhausting. I can't look at my financials every month. But there's the power right there, right? Because if you're looking at it all the time, you can you can be looking into the future and make changes to your behavior before you get there. Yeah, that's a that's a really good that's a really good point. So we're delving into some of these behaviors that people have when they 
either have money or don't have money. And one of the things that we see people do is when they get themselves into a cash situation is they start looking at things that they can do to cut back. Because it's one thing to say, well, I'll just go raise more money. But then if the prospects that you need to attract to give you money for new contracts or, or new business don't move on your timetable, that doesn't make your problem go away. This is something I learned from my coach is that one of the things you need to look out for is when you're looking to do uh, revenue raises or bring in new clients or fill gaps in your revenue cycle that it can put you in a really bad place if the person or the business that you are counting on to become your client doesn't do so on your timetable. Absolutely. And since you don't control them, you can't make them conform to your timetable. Yeah, that's a pretty heavy thing to think about. It is heavy. Because, think- because it's easy to go on social media and see all these inspirational messages about how you can get clients now. Well, I mean, I've taken you know those types of courses uh, uh, where the hook was, if you needed $3,000 today, what like what social media posts would you make to open the conversations where you could close a deal today? Well, those scripts work for me, but they don't work the same day. I mean, when's Danielle, when's the last time you just parted with $3,000 because you uh, saw something on social media that said, if you could do this, would you be interested? (laughs) Same day. I don't think ever. Um Exactly. You know, usually it's somebody that you've been following for a long time that has earned your trust. And maybe there was finally a post that made you pull the trigger, but it's not something that happens. Even if so, if you see it right now, uh, it's 1.38 p.m. Pacific time here in Las Vegas. If you saw it right now, uh, 20 minutes later, you probably would not be giving them money. I would not. At at minimum, it would be tomorrow because baseline i mean the absolute baseline for some people is even though even though i'm pretty much at a yes on this let me just cycle it to make sure that the euphoria is not driving a decision i shouldn't be making so in other words just i i know i'm there but i just want to make sure i still feel like i'm there tomorrow so i know it's the right decision well actually so i i'm glad you brought that up that is actually one of the strategies that we use with our free spenders to help them overcome that that spending um, cycle that they're in, right? Well, we just talked mm-hmm. about if you paid off the debt, getting back into debt. Uh, that 48-hour rule is something that has really helped our clients that we don't spend for 48 hours so that we have enough time to really think, does this align with my goal? Mm-hmm. Does this align with my intentions? And if not, I have the opportunity to say, I'm going to wait and put this into the future. So the other beauty of, of building something like a budget, um, uh-huh. a budget allows you to see into the future to say, all right, what am I going to do? If I need revenue in July, what am I going to be doing in January, February, and March? What am I going to be spending? Where am I going to be spending my time? So I know that I have secured that revenue in July. So I love, the, uh, we love, building budgets with our clients because that allows Uh us to be able to see into the future. Right. Right. What is your thought on people who 
check their balances daily. Is that a good or bad idea? So I know like even I get a uh, daily uh, bank alert from my bank. It's a text message every, every morning. And I think that's okay if you have a healthy relationship with it. I am not making any business decisions at all whatsoever from that cash balance, right? So I'm not thinking, oh, good, the hot balance is high. I can buy this. Um, I would never make a business decision without looking at my financial statements and my budget. So I have the proper tools in place to help me make those business decisions. Um, in Back in my corporate days, one thing that I used to send to the CEO and the board every day is what we call the daily cash report. And the daily cash report had what are the sales, Who's a, who owes us money, who do we owe money to. And it allowed us as a team to make business decisions every single day. But you have to be able to look at the whole picture. Who owes you money? Who do you owe money to? Because if the cash balance is just high, you could accidentally sign up for something and realize and forget that you actually owe that contractor or that project or the other thing that you signed up for is actually coming due tomorrow or next week and really be blindsided in terms of, of cash. So um, uh -huh. I don't mind if people are checking it. Um, we usually do weekly dashboards with our clients. So our clients have the option between weekly, monthly, or quarterly financial reports. And that weekly allows them to see the whole picture and then make decisions week to week. Yeah. I, 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 I think, I think that's the case as well. So uh, now, I mean, I myself have no issue because I do it myself with uh, just sending out marketing messaging that uh, directly makes an offer. And I think you should so that people know that the opportunities are out there. Uh, I also understand that that, you know, the whole thing about relationship building, trust building and everything is also very important. In fact, uh, I, sometimes get leery of prospects who want to do business with me based on some of the indicators that they give. Uh, for example, uh, if they're too exuberant about it. And I also look for signs that they may view me as the one-eyed man leading the blind. Because what happens there is they're going to not involve themselves in the process they're going to assume I know everything. And then when they find out that I don't, they're going to blame everything on me and say that I ripped them off. I prefer to work with clients who know as much or possibly even a little bit more about what I do than I do. The reason being is they understand the value. They understand the process. They know what they're buying and how it benefits them. And when they contribute suggestions, recommendations, and ask questions, they're actually going to be valuable to the process because they come from a place of understanding. Yeah, it is. It is true. Um, finding the clients who, who align, um, you know, when we work with our clients at Kickstart, we love working with business owners who understand that they need their numbers for several reasons, right? Um, my mom always said when we were growing up, there's two things in life that are, are for certain. You're going to pay taxes or you're going to die. Right. <laughs> so we know that we need to pay taxes at the end of each year. And so we have to have bookkeeping throughout the year in order to be ready and prepared for that, that event. But there's so many other really beautiful things that can happen from knowing your numbers throughout the year. 
you can hire more confidently. You can, um, you can fire with intentionality. Um, you can make those purchases, those business decisions with confidence and empowerment. I, I mean, there, we don't have to feel so timid about our spending. When you know your numbers, you can feel really confident about, about the business that you're building. Um, so, so I just wanted to say in terms of like of clients, you know, finding the people who understand what you do, but then also the people who have no idea, you know, we've worked with so many people who have no idea what QuickBooks can do or how to use it. And the impact of having incorrect bookkeeping, what it can have on your tax return and on the growth of your business. And so, uh, you know, we love working with people who um, are, are all, all across the board of understanding the value um, to those who are not sh like they hear about the value, but they don't know it yet until they really mm -hmm. get it. Right. Right. I, I certainly, certainly get that now. Um, we made, uh, I think we might have touched on this very briefly earlier, but I want to get into it in a bit more detail, is uh, you have said that uh, it's important to pay yourself as a business owner and it's irresponsible not to. So that's kind of a two-part question, and I'm going to kind of let you just, you know, go, you know, let you take it away with it. So I think that as a business owner, we, most of us didn't come into uh, entrepreneurship running a nonprofit. Now, there are some of us who run a nonprofit, but most of us came into business because we love what we do. We're passionate about our craft. We want to help other people. And I think as entrepreneurs, we get really caught up in our passion and that our time is free. And your time as a business owner is not free. And it is really important for your tax liability. It's really important to establish as the value of your company that you as a business owner are paid and you are paid regularly from your, your, your business. If somebody approached you tomorrow to say, hey, I love your business model. I want to buy your business. And you're not paying yourself. You've just shown that there's not a value for your role in the business. If you go to buy a house or a car or any type of loan and you're not paying yourself, you just sent a signal to the, to the bank. You sent a signal to these lenders that you are not valued by your business. Right. Right. And then you're sending a signal to the universe by not paying yourself that you, your job isn't valuable enough to the business. When I started Kickstart nine years ago, from day one, I knew I needed to be paid as a business owner. And that was always a priority. Now, there's going to be ebbs and flows of this that you need to um, hire and you're going to go through a seasonality where maybe you need to lower your salary or invest differently. But as business owners, we need to establish with, you know, sending signals to the universe, <laughs> the lenders, uh, the IRS, we need to be paying ourselves as business owners. Yeah. Yeah, cer certainly. So how, I mean, how, how do we do it? Because I, I mean, uh, and I know there's no one right answer to that. I have a way that I get compensated by my business, but how do you recommend that folks do it? Generally speaking. So if you're an S-Corp, it is different than if you're an LLC. So uh -huh. if 
if you're an LLC filing as an S corp, that is a tax status, then the IRS says you actually have to pay yourself a reasonable salary. Right. So if you were if to hire somebody else to do the job that you do for your business, what would you pay them in your area? So your your demographic. Um, so that's that reasonable calculation is actually pretty easy for for S corps. Um, of what what we need to pay ourselves. Now, the IRS doesn't want you to bankrupt your company um, in trying to pay yourself, but they do uh -huh. pay yourself enough that that um, they want you to pay yourself enough that you are not avoiding payroll taxes. So the IRS wants to know that you're not avoiding the tax. You just can't take owner's draws until you've paid yourself that reasonable salary. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, if you are an LLC, I actually have a really simple calculation. You could take your monthly average revenue minus your monthly average expenses minus your monthly mm -hmm. average debt payments. And I want you to determine on average if you're bringing in a profit or a loss. Right. If you're bringing in a loss on average then we have corrections to make. We have to right the ship. If you are on average creating a profit in your business, then we can start to withdraw the cash profits from the business from there. Uh-huh. Yeah, right, right, right. But um but I but I know there's a you know balance to that too because you do have to make sure that you're not draining the business by paying yourself because I've seen that phenomenon too. People they'll say, "Oh, well, my business made a hundred thousand dollars. So I'm going to take an eighty thousand dollar a year salary. That doesn't work, <laughs> right? We you're not. You're not. You're not there. We have to leave enough cash in our business to be able to grow. And you're right. Um, the number one thing that we see from from clients, they'll come to us and say, "Hey, you keep on telling me that I'm profitable, but where is all my darn cash?" Well, the mm -hmm. problem is the personal expenses and owner's draws. So we need to ensure that the personal expenses and owner's draws are not overtaking our, our business. And again, this is the value of looking at your numbers. We have to look at our numbers on a monthly basis to, uh, to, to check in because these things add up, you know, all of a mm -hmm. sudden you're so surprised. Like, it's just like when you carry around, I don't carry around a lot of cash anymore because every time I look at my wallet, the cash is gone. I'm like, where the hell did I spend it? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the same principle. Right, 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 right. And I, and I, you know, and I've seen another thing too. I mean, now I'm just going through some observations I've made. Um, and this goes back to uh, a small client that I had when I was in a completely different business. And I recall that the, uh, this had to do with uh, launching some sort of course that she was selling well the day before the course is set to launch we find out that she canceled the email marketing program she canceled the shopping cart and she canceled the merchant account and when i asked her about that she said well i hadn't used them in a couple weeks so i saw no reason to keep them oh boy <laughs> Yeah, the entrepreneurship definitely was not for her, and I'm glad she didn't continue with it. But, uh, uh, but, uh, but what, I, but what I, yeah, but what I, what I, what I saw there is somebody who was so concerned about making sure they didn't spend a dime on anything that they would look at essential things that an online marketing business would have 
And because they hadn't used them in a couple weeks, air quotes, they just canceled them, figuring they weren't necessary. And that included the merchant account. You know, merchant accounts aren't something where you just go say, um, I'm going to go to this page, I'm going to pay for it. And now, look, I have a merchant account. It doesn't work that way. So she was the day before her launch. She had no way of collecting money because she hadn't used the merchant account in two weeks. So she figured she didn't need it. Yeah, we didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, didn't ask us about it. Just said, "Oh, well, I I haven't used it in like 2 weeks, so I'm going to cancel it. I can just get another one." Uh, doesn't work that way. Yeah, we have to be forward thinking in our in our business. That's why I love the budget. A budget allows us um it's like the ultimate smart goal because we're mapping out the next 12 months of our business. Right. Right, right, right. So, um so another question I have, and this is uh, kind of a zinger here, and I know we're getting fairly close to the end of this, but this I think this is going to be one of the jump-off places I want people to think about. When you told me about this one, it really struck me. Uh, you have a business money team. And when you form this, who tends to be the most overlooked member? Yeah, this is really interesting. Our the our bookkeepers are the most overlooked team member of the money team. So your money team is your tax accountant, your financial advisor, and your bookkeeper. But yeah. here's the best part is that the financial advisor and the tax accountant can't actually do anything, or at least they can't do anything correctly without the bookkeeper. And that's why when I started my firm nine years ago, we used bookkeeping as a vehicle, right? Like that is the foundation, the starting point for everything else we do. And it's really intentional because when the bookkeeping is right, when you have good numbers that are available and accessible to you, you then can make better decisions with your financial advisor. You can invest in your retirement. You can re reinvest in your wealth and the future of your family. When your taxes, when they're done correctly using the right information, uh, it's amazing the way that you can implement tax strategies, but it all starts with having clean and accurate bookkeeping throughout the year. Yeah, uh, and sometimes it does require a bit of effort. Uh, like for like, I'll give you an example from my own business's setup. Uh, we have two separate virtual terminals. One of which is a um, uh, runs through a uh, a merchant account company and uses Authorized.net as the uh, as the virtual terminal. And then we have a virtual terminal through our PayPal account. And we also have uh, clients who pay us through PayPal remittances. We also have those PayPal working capital loans that uh, that scrape a percentage right off the top of everything that comes in, and then 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 you transfer the money from PayPal to your corporate bank account, and there are fees associated with that. And for years, we didn't count that in the bookkeeping because it wasn't necessary. But then we started with the working capital loans and need to account for every piece of that. So. Uh, in order to properly represent how we were uh, writing things off, even though the business is still, you know, the accounting is still on the cash flow basis, it uh, became necessary to create sometimes artificial entries in the bookkeeping. Let me give you an example. Let's say that somebody pays you $600 through PayPal, Okay. And your intention is to transfer that to your corporate bank account right away. 
to keep all the money in one place. But before you see that $600, somebody, uh, you know, something you have recurring through PayPal goes out and $350 of that is gone. So you only have $250 of transfer to your PayPal. So in order to be accurate, and this I think is where a bookkeeper comes in, is the bookkeeper would need to know within QuickBooks or whatever software they they use to build the $600 gross and then, if necessary, invent entries to demonstrate where the rest of the money went. That is a really perfect example. Your, your bookkeeper knows how to correctly and accurately um, account for any all of those weird oddities. You know, QuickBooks last month was duplicating transactions and it was a QuickBooks wide issue. Uh -huh. And if our clients didn't have a bookkeeping team, like it caused such a mess for my team to clean yeah. up. And and they got it, you know, we know how to do it and we can. For any of those 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 poor entrepreneurs who are doing their own bookkeeping, they don't know about that. And if they're not reconciling their books, they might not ever know about it. So now they're going to file their taxes with the incorrect information. It's going to actually cost them hard dollars out of their pocket. We work yeah. too damn hard for our money to know uh -huh. that to the IRS. We cannot be duplicating transactions. No, no, no. No, no, we can't. And uh, and, and what this also came down to, because the way our process is set up is everything revolves around the statements from the corporate bank account. It all revolves around that, like anything having to do with the uh, business credit cards, the PayPal account, uh, the other ways that money comes in. It all revolves around that. So um, our bookkeeper also had the skill to be able to note this entry is not is is logged in the account for the corporate bank statements, but it doesn't actually exist on the statement. This is created to accurately represent what happened to the money. Exactly. Yeah, and that and that's and that's one of those little things that folks sometimes miss. That uh, and what I call it is being inaccurate in order to be accurate. Yeah, it's too important. Money is too important, especially uh -huh. when it comes to the IRS. Oh, by, oh, by the oh, by the way, if I'm completely full of, full of it on this, we should do it differently. Say so. Oh no, I think it, it, that's exactly right. Yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, it's uh, and and having that type of data, I think, is extremely important. So I'm glad you brought up that the bookkeeper seems so overlooked. Uh, and this is where I see in money management that ventures tend to want to cut costs because they'll say, oh, I can get my bookkeeping done for $2 an hour. Uh, well, oh, 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 yeah, that, oh, that, that's, that's great. Well, well, I can just uh, set it up so that it imports my bank statements into my QuickBooks and that's all I have to do. No. Yeah. And, and yeah, and what and what if you have a vendor where you have three different relationships with that vendor? So depending on what the charges are, it goes into one of three different accounts. QuickBooks might only read the venture, read the uh, read the, uh, the the creditor's name and make assumptions. And what if you have a mutual relationship? Like my uh, business coach is also my client, so there's a mutual exchange of monies there every month. So he, so we actually have multiple accounts under his business name 
one is a vendor and one is a client. Yeah, and, and 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 we have to do it intelligently so that it doesn't assume that one is a debit or credit from the other because they're actually two separate transactional relationships. Yeah, I've heard a lot about AI recently uh, taking mm -hmm. over taking over jobs, taking over accounting, and I think we're a long, long way from there. So for anybody who's doing um, their own DIY bookkeeping or or or, or paying someone a minimal amount. Um, or counting on AI, it's just so important that you know this is still a field that we need the human touch. Uh -huh. We need experts. We did a whole podcast series on our podcast yeah. by the books on on why this is so important because again, the IRS, you are paying real hard dollars at the end of the year. And I don't want oh, yeah. to leave that money on the table. All right. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna make a quote unquote confession I made three thousand times before. Um if you want do you know who the bookkeeper in my business is? No. It's me. <laughs> oh, okay. There is there is actually a very interesting reason that I hold on to it. Now my business right now is at the scale where that's really no hardship or inconvenience for me at all. It's an hour a month, it's nothing. Uh however, the reason I do it is because there's something about having my own fingers and hands on the data at that level that tell that gives me intelligence about my business cash flow, both incoming and outgoing, and also shows me opportunities for either investments or scalebacks that I'm not going to get from looking at a pie chart. As far as the actual um, tax accounting and tax planning. My CPA does all of it. Basically, he tells me where to sign. Uh, as far as uh, financial planning, I have an advisor for that as well. But the bookkeeping, I but the bookkeeping, I hand I handle myself. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the day where that's no longer actually feasible. So it's not like uh, it's not some sort of uh, mindset of nobody can do it better than me or. Uh, I don't want to invest the money in a bookkeeper or something like that. It's just a matter that it gives me a level of intelligence about the business that I don't get anywhere else. And it's something about doing that level of work within that trance that causes me to have inspirations about revenue opportunities. So when I go into bookkeeping mode, I have two notebooks beside me. One of which is to capture ideas I have about the business cash flow, and the other is to capture marketing ideas. Because for some reason they just come at me fast and furious. So when I say an hour, it's probably more like two hours because I'll go real slow and I'll take pauses when this stuff comes to me. Well, you know, I think that since you have a great system for it, um, um you're actually doing it. There are so yeah. many business owners out there that I've heard um, who want to do their own bookkeeping, but there's so much going on in their lives and in their businesses that they just don't get to it. And so I can't I can't wait to be in that situation where I have mm -hmm. to hire somebody. As I said, don't think this is poverty mindset or me thinking I'm the only person in the world can do it. I, I, I I'm thoroughly disabused of those notions. Well, you'll have to give us an update when you get there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we are actually um, at the top of the hour here. So what I want to do is I know you have a an invitation for our list. So I'm going to share it with them now. So essentially, um, you have a, a special download and it's about 
how to pay yourself as a business owner or top tax deductions for every business owner. There are actually two options. So one of them is called how to pay yourself as a business owner. So you can go in depth into what we touched upon earlier. And there are also the top tax deductions for every business owner. Uh, these essentially uh, link to resources that, that you can download. And there are also references to some episodes from your excellent podcast that people can listen to for additional information. And where do they find us? It's real easy. You go to the website, kickstartaccountinginc.com. I'll say that again. kickstartaccountinginc.com forward slash gift. kickstartaccountinginc.com forward slash gift. If you're on our website at businesscreatorsradioshow.com, the easy thing to do is just scroll down and click the link. So you'll have those two options. Take one or take both. They're both fantastic. And with that, Danielle, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.